appreciate y'all coming. Here we go. I appreciate y'all being back here tonight, and that was a, a good word, appreciate, but uh, a good turnout for the evening service. And, and is it because you wanted to hear about Joseph, or you wanted to be at the business meeting? Which one was it? Huh? Ray was going to play the piano. Ray, can you come back next Sunday evening? Oh, Lord. And we'll all sing, what a day that will be. <laughs> what a day that will be. That's a good song, one of my favorite. Well, let's, we're going to have business meeting tonight, but let's get in our study tonight. And uh, like I said, I'm glad that you guys came back this evening. Um, you know, a couple things. We had deacons meeting this afternoon. Uh, it was very productive. I like meeting when they're productive. I don't like meeting when we don't get things accomplished, and I like meeting when things are productive. And that's the same thing when we meet, and when we meet in God's house. We want to be productive. We want to grow in the Word. And, and so a phrase that Patty and I heard uh, coming over this morning in, in a book that I'm listening to, uh, because I have to read so many books that I have to use Audible a lot of times to read some books to help me to make sure that every second that I'm not doing something, I'm either listening to a book or reading a book. And we heard one this morning And uh, the phrase was, you can't know the God of the Word if you don't know the Word of God. Amen? Amen. And so what we want to make sure that we're doing when we gather together is studying the Word of God. When you're not here, you want to be reading the Word of God. You want to grow in your relationship with the Word of God. And so those are the things that we want to focus on when we come together. Now, this morning, the the message was on Mary. It was on the actually saying yes. And brother... Ray said yes to, to Pam this morning. I thought it was awesome because God actually put that in Pam's heart to, to speak to Brother Ray about playing tonight. Um, not my idea. It was hers. And, and, and I'm sure that God laid it on her heart. Brother Ray responded the way that God would want him to do. Because God says, make a joyful noise, right? I can't sing, but I do try to make a joyful noise. And, and sometimes I get checked on it when my microphone doesn't get cut off. But, but anyhow, it's the same thing. If you want to say yes, when God puts it on your heart, we want to make sure that we're obedient to his word. And so this morning it was on Mary, uh, and talking about, you know, we've been talking about the different aspects of the nativity, all the different components that had to go into place, all the different wheels that had to turn, the cogs that had to turn, everything that Jesus Christ had to do, uh, everything that God did to prepare the hundreds of years before it actually ever happened, the way that he prepared the prophets, the words that he gave the prophets to share with the people so that they would know what was coming, so they could prepare for it. So the same thing is that basically children... Um, and most of this was boys. I'm not sure the educational process for girls, but boys basically had to be educated by age 15. You know, they went through the Torah school, they learned everything, and they were educated by age 15. Now, at age 15, basically, if they didn't cut the grade uh, to be able to go to a rabbi to be taught later in school, to, be, to go with a rabbi to be further educated, they had to go back home. They went back to their family businesses. They went back to, because they couldn't cut the grade, they went back to their businesses, and that's where they would be the rest of their life. And so you think about what Jesus did, 
and the way that he picked those people that he picked. You think about it. Now, let's think about this. And these are just some, some nuggets of information I wanted to share with you. Um, most boys were married by age 18, okay? So when you think about the disciples, how many of them were married? And I got a point. I'm going to make it. How many of them were married? How many had a wife? How many have a mother-in-law? How many did Jesus touch the mother-in-law for? One that we know of, right? So Peter. So we, we kind of anticipate, and this is part of that history thing. So based on what you know about the Jewish history and the boys all going through school, going back to work, we think pretty much all the disciples didn't make the cut to be able to go be with the rabbi. All right? So they, they, they went back to fishermen. They went to different areas. So, so basically, Peter was probably the only one that was at least 18. So most of these disciples were less than 18 years old. So we know that, 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 uh, that Mary was in her early uh, teenage years. Okay? And so that's what I'm going to get to is Joseph. So when you're thinking about Joseph, he hadn't gotten married yet. So we're anticipating that most likely, based on Jewish history, that he was either close to 18 because that's by the age that they were required to get married. He wasn't in, in uh, Talmud school. I mean, he wasn't following a rabbi. He was a carpenter. So he was doing the trade that probably his father had taught him. So he didn't make the cut, you know, to, to go on to be a, a priest or anything like that. But most likely, Joseph was either close to 18 or right at that because he was preparing for what? His wedding. Preparing for his wedding. Okay, so, so let's look at the scripture, and then let's just kind of work through some things together. And so this one, <coughs> this one, what I, I looked at, it says, Joseph, an ordinary man used by what? An extraordinary what? Who used him? What did I say about you being used this morning? God. Joseph was an ordinary man. Mary was an ordinary Jewish girl. Joseph was an ordinary young man planning his wedding, planning his future, but he was going to be used by an extraordinary God. I'm sorry? God was using him. All right? Well, let's just think about that for just a second. What do you think the, the requirements that God, when God looked down, and he says, I got to have a family. I got to have a, a couple that's going to be the mother and father, earthly mother and father of my son. What do you think he was looking for? What do you think? What was, what was God looking for? Obedient, oh, that's a good one. That's obedient. Somebody that was surrendered. Somebody that was genuine. Somebody that would, put, put, would say yes. You know, somebody that had been walking the walk with him. And we don't know about Mary's history. We don't know about Joseph's history up until this point. But God had to look at them for some specific reason and pick not just Mary, but he picked Joseph too. It couldn't be a one-sided thing. She, Joseph had to meet the certain uh, par uh, parameters just like Mary did, all right? But let's look at Joseph for just a second, all right? An ordinary man used by an extraordinary God. Let's look at Matthew 1, verses starting in verse 18. So, Haley, you want to put that up? Can you all read that? If you can, good for you. I can't even read it from here. So, you want to turn your, open your Bible up, buddy? Yeah, you sleeping on me? I got you. All right, Matthew 1. Let's look at 18 through 25, all right? All right. Let me tell you, I, I apologize for that. Y'all know I've been coughing for two weeks, right? I don't do medicine well. And so when I take medicine, it's almost like, and don't, don't spread this out on the, on the airways. You know what I'm saying? 
And so it really messes my vision up. I, I can't hardly see much less anything else. But anyhow, I can read. Let's go, to, let's go to the word here. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant with the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Let me stop just for a second. Verse 20 is a very heavy verse. It's a very serious verse. There's a lot of information in this particular verse. Not that there's not a lot in all these verses, but it's set to start off with, but after he had considered these things. When you think about that, what was he considering? It says in the Bible, he considered these things. He considered what was taking place, okay? All right, he considered these things. Everything that was going to take place as a result of this, what had happened, all these things he considered, all right? She will give birth to a son, and you would name him Jesus, <coughs> because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. That's something we talked about uh, Sunday was a week ago, Name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord angel had commanded him to do. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to his son and named him Jesus. It's all according to the scripture, all according to the prophecy. Now, let's look at this. Weddings are beautiful events. Would you agree? Yeah, they're beautiful events, right? So let's think about it. The groom stands tall, but he's beaming with joy. Y'all seen that recently? Tyler, did y'all see that recently? Groom standing up tall, beaming with joy, waiting for the dad to bring the, the bride down the, 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 the runway there, all right? The bride walks down, escorted by her father. They grasp hands. They exchange vows. Some light candles. Some pour in the sand together. All these things take place. They envision faithfulness with each other through the difficult times. Man, they make vows to each other. They say things, you know, that are important for better or for worse, for sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live. Those are all things that we do. So what do you think's going through the groom's mind when he's saying this? What's going through the bride's mind when they're saying this? What are they looking at other than just each other for that particular instance? They're looking down the future. They're looking for their future. They're looking for what's going to take place. They're looking for their lives together. They've started a new chapter together. All these things are taking place that's going to be for the future, okay? The couple imagines big dreams for their future life together. Now, you think about it. Joseph hadn't stood up there with, with Mary yet, but they were in an engagement process. An engagement process lasts a whole year. It was a binding contract. Joseph had already had to cough up some money as a dowry to give to her father. All right? There's all sort of things that had to take place. And so he's thinking about this. He's dreaming about this. He's thinking, you know, at some point I'm going to be married. At some point I'm going to have a wife. At some point I'm going to have children that I'm going to have to take care of. All these things are things that he's thinking about. And it, when it says he has big dreams, well, every couple has big dreams. Most likely Joseph imagined these same dreams for future with Mary. Now, 
His desires possibly were a little bit different than our current American dream, but as a young man engaged but not yet married to a bride, I'm quite sure he was making plans for his future life with Mary. I mean, he was already a carpenter. He's already preparing. He's already preparing for a home. He's already preparing all the things that's going to take place. These are things that he's talking about, all right? All right. And in the middle of his just dreaming about his future life with his wife, and his faith is going to be tested. I mean, you think about that. You think about how Joseph is going to be tested. Now, we're tested, right? We're put through tests. God allows testing in our lives. He puts us through tests. He does never tempt us, but we are tested, okay? And it's how do we respond to the testing. So here's the, here's the bad news. We don't know exactly how Joseph found out about the future wife was pregnant. His, his future wife was pregnant. We don't know how he found out. So you just think about it. How do you think he found out? Mary goes up to him. They don't see each other, but once every two or three weeks. And what do you think the first thing out of her mouth is? I'm pregnant. Huh? You think it was that soft? You think it was easy? Uh, jo- Joseph, you might want to sit down for a minute. I got something to tell you. We need to talk. Don't y'all hate that phrase? Mary, you ever had that? Teresa, don't tell. Patty says, I think we need to talk. I'm saying, no. <laughs> no, can you imagine what, what that was like for Joseph, all right? But we can only imagine the difficult conversation it must have had with Mary. We can only imagine how difficult it was for her as well as for him. And then this morning we talked about what Mary signed up for. You know, I just put it in that phrase, you know, what was going to happen for her. So here's the thing. Mary has been, Gabriel has talked to Mary Gabriel has reassured Mary that this is the Christ child. He's reassured that God has found favor with you, that that God is going to be with you. He's going to take you through this whole thing all the way, all right? It's going to be difficult raising him. You're going to have to give him up at the end. He's going to be crucified, but God's going to be with you. So she had more than Joseph had when this, because at this point, the angel Gabriel has not spoke to Joseph, all right? So you're looking at two different sides of it. He's just human. She's, she's human, but she's been encountered with, a, a, with the angelic messenger, Gabriel, all right? So there's a little bit of angle, but she still got to tell him that. So in Matthew 1.18, Matthew notes, and he says this, it was discovered. Now, it wasn't discovered because he waited until she had a tummy. That's not what it was, but it was discovered that she was pregnant. That's what Matthew says. How was it discovered? Joseph had not yet had the angel speak to him, so how was it discovered? He only had the word of Mary whom he hardly knew most likely. All right? You with me? You taking notes? Mental notes. All right. So even though they were engaged to be married, the custom was for a year engagement before they would uh, consummate the marriage. The bride and the groom spent very little time together. So imagine Joseph's shock. When Mary told him that she was pregnant, Joseph and Mary had not been intimate with each other. Joseph likely responded with a stunned silence. And it's likely the first thing he did was, huh? You want to run that by me again? You want to tell me exactly what you just said? All right. But here's the thing. Not only did she tell him that she was pregnant, but she told him that the baby that was conceived in her stomach was that of the Holy Spirit. That it was going to be the Son of God. That's how it got there. The Holy Spirit had come upon her. So this is, this is two things. One, he's got to deal with the fact that he's been told his future wife is pregnant. Then two, he's been told that it's, it's a godly thing. 
Now, we've, we know that there's a Messiah coming. We've been praying for him for, for hundreds of years. We think he's coming. You know, we've read the scripture. We know he's coming of a virgin. And so we think about that. So that's what the scriptures say. So maybe these things are starting to run through his head. We don't know. But this conversation <coughs> probably begin with some questions or some statements like this. Mary, are you serious? Are you serious? What, what are you doing to me? How can you do this to me? I prepared so many things for you. And these are things, and I'm paraphrasing these, not that this is what Scripture says, but you think about it. If you were in Joseph's sandals, if you're in Joseph's shoes, and you're standing up there, and your future wife steps up and tells you these things, that's impossible. That's completely impossible. There's no way that that can take place. It's never taken place in the history of our world, but that's, that's impossible. How can it be? Where is he? Where's this guy that done this? No? You think about that? I suspect Joseph felt betrayed. He felt alone. And he was stuck in a difficult situation. And I want you to think about Joseph and put yourself in his shoes. He hadn't seen the angel. He hadn't heard from the angel. But we got to know. You got to go back to the point where God selected Joseph before he sent the angel to speak to him. God knew Joseph's character. He knew what Joseph was. He knew what Joseph was going to be. He knew that Joseph was the man to be the earthly father for Jesus Christ. Now, he selected him before that, all right? He's simply living his life, working as a carpenter, doing the best he can to build a life for his future family. He trusted Mary to be faithful, and he pledged his life to her, and yet it seemed like he had been betrayed. So let's look at Matthew one twenty. says, He considered these things. Joseph had some serious thinking to do. And he had some decisions to make. He had some serious thinkings to do. And if you remember this morning when I told you, this issue could have resulted in him taking her in front of the, the authorities and having her stoned to death. It would have been just that simple. It could have been that drastic of an issue that takes place. All right? We don't know how long Gabriel wait, waited to speak to Joseph after he talked to Mary. We don't know if it was a week, a day, a month. I don't really know. But we know that there was some time that took place in between that. And so because of that distance, there had to be Joseph's mind going like this. You know, I bet you he didn't sleep at all. If it was several days, probably several days that he didn't sleep at all. Because he's thinking, what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to, how am I going to handle this? I'm a, I'm a righteous man, and I don't want to do anything to, to harm Mary, you know, because actually I chose her as my wife, or my parents chose her as my wife. But the thing is, I was going to spend my life with her. And the thing is, all these are running through his head, all right? Joseph really only had two choices. In those days, a betrothed bride was found to be committed adultery. She, there was two options. The plan of action for most men to take would have been quite drastic. Joseph could publicly shame her and bring her before the religious, religious authorities, resulting in the forfeiture of her dowry that was paid to her father and possibly death by stoning. The alternative would be to divorce her privately. Now, you think about it. Divorcing her privately wasn't just an easy event. There was still humiliation that come with that. There was still going to be questions about what happened, what went wrong. You know, where's all these things that happened? He would have to endure embarrassment in his community, and he would have to face questions from his peers, his family, his friends, and all kinds of issues about what went wrong. What did you do wrong? What did she do wrong? All right? All of these things, all right? But he also obeys his conscience and doing what he felt was best for Mary. And that's what you're thinking about. He still has not heard from Gabriel yet, and he makes the decision to do what's best for Mary. You've got you to admire him for that, right? I mean, he, he could have done some drastic issues, but he took it upon himself. Matthew tells us that Joseph was a righteous man, and he tells us, he tells us this before Joseph 
is told that Jesus is a supernatural birth. All right? He was righteous because he was committed to following the law, divorcing an unfaithful spouse, and doing it in the most selfless, compassionate way was what Joseph wanted to do. All right, so we don't know how much Joseph, uh, we don't know much about Joseph other than what the Bible tells us here. We, we see him an encounter with him again when Jesus is 12 in the temple, and then we don't hear much more about him after that. We don't really know how he passed away. Um, I don't know, but the thing is, there's not a lot else told about Joseph in the Scripture, all right? Joseph didn't make a decision out of an immediate anger. He wasn't irrational, and he wasn't unstable. He took time, he assessed the situation, and he made the choice that was best for Mary. Now, we know the reason Joseph did not go through with the divorce. We know it because the angel Gabriel came to him and told him, right? Mary didn't know it. Mary didn't know what Joseph was going to do. When she told Joseph all about this, you know, we know the end of the story, and we know what takes place. But at the time she shared with him that she was pregnant, she did not know what was going to take place with Joseph other than she trusted God to take care of her. All right? All right. This time God spoke to Joseph in a dream. In verse 20, Gabriel refers to her, refers to uh, Joseph as the son of David. All right, so why do you think he refers to him as the son of David? He, he reassures him, and he reinforces the fact that he is of that lineage of David, that this child was going to come through that same lineage, that he was a, a righteous man. He was of the, son, the lineage of the son of David. God did not pick just any first-century Jewish man to steward the life of his son. He picked a faithful son of David. All right? The only other person in the New Testament referred to as the son of David is who? Starts with a J, ends with an S. Got Jesus in the middle. Jesus. Okay, that was a good one. That's the only other person in Scripture that's referred to as the son of David. The title came with authority, reminding Joseph of his royal heritage, preparing him for the task that was about to take place. Now, here we've all talked about the bad news, all right? Now, we're going to talk about the good news, which is completely the opposite. Then the angel assured Joseph that the baby Mary's womb was not the fruit of sin, uh, this is in a dream, but this is Gabriel. Gabriel's speaking with authority. He's God's angelic messenger. He speaks with authority. These words are coming straight from God through Gabriel. All right? Not the fruit of sin, but conceived miraculously by the Holy Spirit. She had been chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus. We don't know how much Joseph knew or how much he felt about this, but what we, what we, we don't know if he recalled the scriptures and, and thought back of what took place in the temple, but the words of the prophet were uh, Resident in his mind, and it described the future of Messiah coming from a young virgin. But just in case, just in case he couldn't recall it, just because he's only 17, 18 years old, the angel reminded him in the scripture, okay, just to make sure that he understood what he was talking about. All right. Telling Joseph the name to baby Jesus was reminding Joseph of his stewardship because who named the children when they were born? The father. That's where it meant, because so he told Joseph to name him Jesus. He told him what to name him, but he allowed Joseph to name him because Joseph was going to be the, the steward of Jesus Christ, which essentially what this does is shows that Joseph adopts Jesus into his family, okay, because he's going to get to name him. That makes sense? Jesus was adopted into that family through Joseph, was the birth child of, the, of Mary, and so what are we? We're adopted into the family of what? Family of God, all right? Family of Christ. He adopts us into his family, all right? Gabriel's reference to Joseph being the son of David tells us two things about the man that was going to be the earthly guardian of Jesus Christ. Here's one. One, he knew who he was, and he was committed to the Scripture. 
He was a man who was into the word of God. He was a man who wanted to know the God of the word. Okay, all right. So he, he was a man of the scripture and he knew who he was. This was no small thing. All right. This is how the Bible appeals to followers of Jesus Christ. We should know who we are as Christians and we should know the word of God. We should know who we are, what we believe and, and, and know the word of God. All right. Now, we don't know a lot about Joseph other than what, what I just talked to you about. All right. But we know he was a man of simple faithfulness. That's what the scripture teaches us. The Bible states when Joseph woke from the sleep that he did what? He didn't waste any time. He didn't just like Mary. He didn't negotiate. He woke from sleep. He did just like the, the angel commanded him to do. He married her, but he did not have any relations with her until after the baby was born. All right? Now, his immediate obedience was a response of a difficult situation. So let's do this. Just like we did with Mary this morning, let's consider for just a moment what Joseph is signing up for. This is no easy assignment. All right? In Mary and Mary, he would be subject to endless scrutiny. Endless scrutiny from, from friends, from family. He would be ridiculed for the whole time because of this, all right? If you think he reacted strangely at first when, for, about Mary's conception, how do you think that other people around him felt? Now, you think about it. Him and Mary is the only one that's going to hear from the angel. So just think about how he's going to convince his parents that, that this is a Holy Spirit thing. That this is the God, the Father, the Messiah is in Mary's tummy. You know, the, this is a miraculous miracle that the Messiah is coming this way. We haven't had any relations. She hasn't had any relations. How do you think his parents responded to that? Oh, yeah, I believe you. You never lied to me before, right? You're only 17, right? Uh, tell me the truth. You know, I want to hear the truth. What really happened, you know? So this thing is, tell me another story. All right. All right, so... They could either take his word for it or he, they would reject him. All right? In listening to the voice of God, Joseph was giving up his reputation. He, too, was saying yes to God. Joseph was saying no to everything else he had worked for. He was saying no to his reputation. He was saying no to everything else that he stood for. And he was saying yes to God. It's easy for us to glance over this and not give another thought as we read this part of Matthew's gospel in the Christmas story. But we need to pause and consider how significant this decision for Joseph was. All right? Joseph would bear the shame for sins he did not commit. Anybody else do that? Jesus. Joseph is going to have to bear the shames of sins that he didn't commit, even though this is not a sinful event. It looks like it from the outside. What people would say, she's pregnant out of wedlock. All right. Uh, they, you know, she's cheated on him. They, she's an adulteress. All right. Joseph's going to bear that shame. He's going to marry her anyway. All right. For sins he did not commit. Just like Jesus did the exact same thing for us. All right. All right. Joseph would bear the shame that he didn't commit. And yet it only foreshadows the shame that the baby would one day bear for us on behalf of Joseph, Mary, and each one of us. Now we go over in, in, into the New Testament. We say this is why Jesus would sweat Sweat drops of what in the Garden of Gethsemane? Blood. Because he was bearing the shame for us. Because he took our sins upon him. Because he was willing to take the cup, the wrath of God, on our behalf. All right? Jesus would literally become sin for his people so much that the Father who cannot abide in sin turned his face against his own son. All right? He was, to quote the prophet Isaiah, despised and rejected by men when he's on the cross. All right? Ultimately, we don't know what really happened to Joseph after the, 
after Jesus was 12, but we do know some other things. What we do know is that Joseph was an ordinary man willing to be used by an extraordinary God. So let me, let me throw some things at you just for you to ponder over. God is calling ordinary people to be part of an extraordinary story. He calls ordinary people, just like we talked about that this morning. God is calling people you don't even think. I mean, you just think. You say, well, God's only going to call certain people. He's only going to call certain socioeconomic people. He's only going to call you know, people who are educated in the Word. And God calls everybody. He'll call, you from the, he'll call you out of one area into another, and he calls every single body to do extraordinary work on his behalf. Here's my question to you. Are you willing to step into the mission of God? That's a question for you. All right? Joseph displayed a righteous character in a difficult situation. Here's some questions for you, just for you to think. And these questions, I want you to take them back. I want you to think about me. When I evaluate my own life, what am I willing to do for God? All right? In what way are you being tested today? We're all being tested. In what way are you being tested today? All right? What shortcuts to glory are you being offered? <coughs> Satan offered Jesus shortcuts to glory, didn't he? When, hey, you can have all this. You don't have to go to the cross. You know, we think about the shortcuts that we're offered, worldly issues. And that's thinking, what shortcuts are we being offered? How can you display Christian character in a way that sets you apart in your home? your workplace, and your family. This is it. That's your mission field. And when you step out of your, this building right here, you're on the mission. When you, you know, the mission starts outside of those doors. Whether it's your workplace, whether it's where you're going, whether it's where you're going to be this weekend, all that is your mission field, all right? Joseph obeyed immediately. When he heard the voice of Gabriel, he moved. God may not be speaking to you in an audible voice or through an angel, but he still speaks to us through his word. All right. Are you willing to obey even in the hard things, even with the hard things? What hard and difficult calling is God tasking you to do today? And then the last one, in what way is God calling you to sacrifice personal comfort for the cause of Christ? Amen? <coughs> wow. Isn't that some deep stuff? Did y'all get anything out of that? Was Joseph an ordinary man? Was he working for an ordinary God? No? Amen. All right. Y'all did pay attention. All right. Well, that's what I have. Any questions about our study? We got one more night, and that's Wednesday night. If y'all want to finish up on the nativity, be here Wednesday night. We're going to finish that this Wednesday, and we will be in the fellowship hall because the children will be in here practicing. All right? So we'll be in the fellowship hall. Fair enough? All right. Y'all